All right. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Roscoe's Wetsuit Podcast. I have a very special guest on the show with me today. We have Jim Getz. Jim is a really interesting guy. He has passed both the chiropractic and physiotherapy national board exams and pursues a passion in the optimization of human performance. He's a certified strength and conditioning specialist through the NSCA and holds numerous other certifications in human performance fields. Jim's expertise is in the advancement of human performance. He has extensive background in the field of strength and conditioning, worked with a variety of athletes, uh, including high school national wrestling champions, NCAA Division I football players, NFL, MLB, MLS. Could keep going. Jim, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you so very much for having me. I appreciate uh, the invite. Absolutely. So tell me, I mean, I'm curious what got you interested. I'm always curious what gets people interested originally, you know, in this, in this sort of line of work that you do. Sure. I got a little, uh, little story, I guess. Um, when I was in fourth grade, believe it or not, um, I started doing push-ups, and I couldn't even tell you why. I couldn't explain that weird feeling that you get with that huge burn up in the chest and shoulders. And then all of a sudden I realized I am physically unable to do any more. So the next day I would do them again. Let's see if I can do even more. And it was just fascinating that this unexplainable burn occurred. And slowly but surely I was able to do more and more and more and more. Let's fast forward years and years later, as most guys have played sports, I was fortunate enough to play all the way through college, uh, baseball for the University of Tampa, national champions, little shout out to UT. And while I was at the University of Tampa, I was dating this beautiful girl at the time. I can hopefully say that now because she's my wife. And I was a communications major. And I loved being in the editing room. I loved the cool press passes that I got as being the uh, sports director of the radio station, but something was missing. And all I wanted to do was play baseball. And we're sitting in the room one day uh, with my roommate and said, I'm unhappy. What else in the world can I do? And she says, why don't you major in working out? What do you mean majoring in working out? That, that's ridiculous. You can't major in working out. She said, yeah, you can. It's called exercise science. So I didn't believe her, went down to the registrar's office, and lo and behold, they have a major of exercise science. And very fortunate, there was also one of the top strength conditioning coaches who had an agreement with the university at the time. And he was coaching the different teams. But at the same time, he was able to bring in his own clients, which just so happened to be NFL, Major League Baseball, very high caliber lead athletes that he would work with. He wouldn't take on any interns whatsoever unless they had at least a master's. But I just pastored him day after day after day. Can you take me on? Can you take me on? I will do anything. So finally, I guess enough pestering. He said, okay, fine. I'll give you one shot, which pretty much meant you were going to be here before us all. You're going to be cleaning the place. You're going to be getting our smoothies after our workouts. Um, he really helped mold me and groom me. Uh, Raf Ruiz is his name. And helped mold me and groom me and get the little mindset right to what I needed to be. Uh, fast forward a little bit, I was fortunate enough to meet some amazing individuals along the way. Uh, got a job with the University of South Florida as the uh, 
football, assistant football, strength conditioning coach. Uh, from there, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and then Toronto Blue Jays back into baseball. Loved it. There's just something missing, though. Just something. I couldn't grasp it. I was bored. And I was flustered because I thought that my way, you know, I'm young and cocky, right? So I know everything. And my ways were better than these guys who had been strength and conditioning coaches with different Olympic teams. And the more I researched and the more I applied things, I realized that some of their stuff is good, but my stuff is better, <laughs> if you would. Um, fast forward a little bit. I had a little pinched nerve in the neck and was told, you got to see this guy. He's an amazing doctor, um, Dr. Shaker in Tampa. And lo and behold, all over his walls were every Tampa Bay Buccaneer, everyone on the Lightning, uh, Team Tebow's on his wall, Big Show, Barry Bonds, and these are all patients of his. So instead of sending me the bill, he says, come with me into my office. So <laughs> I'm in trouble. I'm in the principal's office here. And he sits down with me and talks to me about going to chiropractic school. And few things started adding up. My background of the human body, anatomy, physiology, things that I loved, and now really, truly understanding it. I mean, in our first semester, we had a cadaver. Well, we had nine cadavers in our lab, and I opened up the body bag, and I have a dead human being not lying, looking at me, of course, and we were cutting open the bodies, really learning in depth everything that we needed to know about the body. And it just kind of kept moving forward from there, just the, the love of knowledge, the thirst for knowledge, being able to apply it in patience, as well as um, non-patients, just making people better versions of themselves. And once I started learning about the world of biohacking, oh my goodness, we can do little tips and tricks and tweaks and make the cells work in different ways. And all of a sudden, what we think, calories in versus calories out, here's how to manipulate the body even better and give people even better success, longevity, they're feeling better, um, more successful versions of themselves. And it's been a fun journey, and I'm just getting started, having a lot of fun with it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, we'll definitely touch on, uh, on biohacking in the show today, uh, a topic I love to talk about. Um, but, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, you know, what, you know, you mentioned, you know, kind of working your way up, kind of getting these jobs, you know, working for these, uh, you know, pro sports teams. What do you think, what, what were the skills that you had to cultivate, you know, to become this, this excellent coach? I would say skill number one, be humble. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't seem, you think skills like, you know, you got to learn how to jump higher, run faster. Um, but it's really being humble and knowing that you don't know jack squat. These guys know more. And if they are the right coaches along the way to learn underneath, they also have that same mentality. So it's a constant thirst on everybody's part for knowledge. And once you get rid of any humility, um, just becoming so humble, then you realize everyone's on the same page. Um, seeing certain individuals, I once thought this is the smartest guy in the world and used to feel very intimidated about that. And then realizing we're all just trying our best. We're all doing our best. They've read books that I haven't read yet is what it comes down to. They may have applied things that I haven't applied yet at that point. And then it's just following the passion, being persistent about it every single day. I mean, it's great that you may have liked reading, uh, I just read a book, um, Dr. McCullough on EMFs, for instance. 
Well, that's great. I can pick up a chapter, learn a few things, and go play some video games. Or I can realize that chapter is really good. Then I start looking up the different things in the chapter, things I may not understand. Moving on to the next chapter, doing that and really immersing myself. And as I've done here in our Fit Lab, I've pretty much um, made it as EMF-free as possible for a high-tech lab that runs on a lot of Wi-Fi type technology. So really just applying the passion and sticking with it has really, I think, helped along the way. Right. You know what that, that brings to mind is this, uh, this quote from um, the Napoleon Hill book, Think and Grow Rich. Yep. If you've ever read that, you know, or actually not really a quote. Um, I believe it was, it was the, the title of one of the chapters where, you know, it's basically like, you know, knowledge is not power. Knowledge is potential power you know, where it sounds exactly like that, you know, it's like, if you were to read about biohacking, whatever, uh, or read about getting fit, it's like, right. okay, that's the start. But then unless you actually take the steps to actually apply that, you know, what's the point? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even in the readings, I remember uh, one of our assignments and doing an internship back in the day was to get a journal article every single day, we'd present it to each other, and then we'd Bass each other up over it so we can all learn a little bit more. Well, I was getting Muscular Development, Flex Magazine, and these are not journal articles. These are just magazines. And that in of itself was something to, uh, to learn. And then even applying a journal article. I mean, I'm sure we could find journal articles that say eating a piece of pizza every single day and you live to 100. But to actually break that down and do the critical appraisal on that to even understand, is this good research in the first place? What is the source it's coming from? Is there some organization that is benefiting from funding this study? Um, you know, a lot of individuals or coaches out there, I see if they can't make it, let me teach others how to make it, but they've never made it in the first place. So what is the edX actually source on where it's coming from? And once you, you get something, Napoleon Hill, for instance, there, um, somebody that's done it, proven it, and can uh, back it up and teach others how to do it, that's all the difference in the world. Right. So, you know, I'm curious, like, you know, with you, with your experience working with all of these really elite athletes, you know, what, from your observations, you know, what are, what are some of the common, you know, traits, behaviors, what, what do they have in common that sort of differentiates them, you know, from the rest of the pack? What, what helps, what allows them to get to that next level? Almost a double-edged sword with that one. One is just an ungodly amount of talent that nobody can ever fully fathom. As many baseballs as I would hit every single day, anywhere between 200 and 500 off a tee before I ever got to batting practice, my hands and bat speed was never to the point that I could send the ball flying like a Ken Griffey Jr., where that swing is so effortless and easy, and that ball just takes off so hard and fast. Um, a lot of the guys just have so much freakish talent. They can lift heavier, they can run faster. Their reaction speed is so much quicker than so many other individuals. That's where you go from guys that are great in little league, but can't make it in high school. And those guys that are good in high school, but can't make it in college. And those guys in college, that can't move on the pro level. And that's why they have so many levels, even in the minors, even just getting to major league baseball. And how many guys in majors actually stick around for a 10, 15 year career? It doesn't happen all the time. Now, when you take those guys, when you are at the elite level, there are some guys that just have a work ethic that is like none other. There are certain guys that are there in spring training in the clubhouse that are showing up at 
10 o'clock, 10.01 when they're supposed to be there at 10 o'clock. And there's other guys that have been there since 7 a.m. getting more work in. They're getting their agility drills in. They're just trying to do anything and everything to get ahead of everybody else. Even if it's getting their treatments done early instead of waiting around all day. Those guys are the ones that set themselves so far apart from the others, and it shows. They, they have that passion and love for the game, and it's not just a job. Guys can go and play all day long because it's a job, and they're talented enough, they can do it and get away with it. But those that actually want to win and become better versions of themselves, that's evident and known. You see the smiles. You see the exuberance on the field. They kind of float. They don't have the scowls. They're grateful that somebody actually came to the stadium that day just to see them play. And if they've got a little, a little tweak here that some guys will be on the designated list for a few weeks, they're going to play through that because they know that little kid or that guy paid good money for that ticket to see them, and they want to be out there and perform for them. And, uh, you know, it, it's evident and obvious in a lot of the guys. Right. I was just actually going to ask that, you know, I, so it's pretty easy to, to recognize that for you. Oh, absolutely. Oh, totally. And, you know, there are some guys that can get away with it for a little while, just pure talent. And then, unfortunately, uh, they don't last forever. They hit the All-Star game a few years, and then after that, they shut it down. And that's about it. They couldn't get any farther. Mm-hmm. And you think that's something that, you know, these athletes, do they cultivate that, that sort of work ethic or passion, or is it something that you feel is more so, you know, they have it or they don't? When it comes to work ethic, they have it or they don't. Um, some guys, they just, as little kids, they would get up and do anything and everything they could. Um, as they grow up, it just sticks with them. Others, they were just so ungodly talented that they could get away with it. They could sit around and they just got lucky enough they could play for a very long time. Interesting. So switching gears a little bit, you know, I want to hear, you know, you mentioned, you know, getting, going back to, to school for uh, chiropractic work. Yes. Is that correct? So tell me a little about what, what was kind of the, uh, the, the reasoning behind that, that, and then how do you kind of apply that now in your work? I wanted to know so much more about the human body than I could ever do as a strength conditioning coach. It was really, really important to me. I was bored. And how can you stick with something you're not passionate about and you're bored with, right? So over time, it, it just burned at me. I needed that more. And once I realized that there was ways to learn that, um, I went with it. I had, I had to. I had to go get the education for it. Um, I was able to work with the uh, Bridgeport Bluefish as a team doctor going through school uh, in a clerkship. So I still got to work with athletes at a professional level. And just getting them well to get on the field is nice and cool. But now really taking all the pieces and putting them together, that really unique and special. I couldn't do that as just a strength conditioning coach. I don't think any doctor can do that by themselves, but just getting all those different tools and putting in the tool belt to be able to use that on a different individual for the different needs that they have. That's fun. It's a lot of fun. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that probably also differentiates you from, I assume, a lot of other, you know, strength and conditioning coaches, you know, who may not have that sort of 
you know, additional experience with or, or skill set with the chiropractic? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there. There's a lot of doctors out there. But it's how far are they willing to go? What is their passion? What are they looking to do with all that? Um, when the there's certain doctors that are very good surgeons, how good do they want to be? Are they going to be like a Dr. James Andrews type of surgeon, or are they going to end up being just a surgeon that does their little thing, can make their car payments, and then uh, have a trip or two, but they're never going to be really recognized and known for what they do? You know, when it's all of a sudden done, I'd like to have a legacy of going above and beyond, and people truly, truly um, can benefit long term, hopefully, from all the work that I have put in. Right. Absolutely. So, um, you know, switching gears again, tell me a little about, you know, you know, this kind of, uh, you know, something we both are really interested in biohacking, mm-hmm. you know, where did you kind of originally even hear about that? Cause it's, you know, I think, a, you know, <laughs> relatively new term, right. Sure. And then, you know, you wrote, uh, you wrote a book on it. Is that correct? Yeah. But yeah, the biohacking, the brain for success. So yep. I'm, I'm curious, you know, kind of tell me a little about, you know, first the, the kind of origins of, of biohacking and then ultimately the, the decision to write the book. Sure. Um, where did it really come from? Uh, it's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I may, it's one of those things you kind of stumble upon. Um, you know, Dave Asprey may have been, uh, I think I read about his Bulletproof Coffee. That may have been it, just to start. And I'm like, why in the world yeah. would anyone want to drink butter? Yeah, it was. It actually was. There was a magazine article, and he was featured in it. This guy is crazy. He wants to live to what, 120, 180, something like that. Um, has all these cool stories. So I started reading about it more, following it more, and then starting to understand the science about it a little bit. And just started listening to different guys, different podcasts, buying as many books as I could, and started truly getting into it, understanding it, uh, reading a lot about CRISPR technology, taking biohacking to a real level of hacking the cells of the body, making them do different things at the genetic level. Um, who is it? Josh Zaner. I started uh, reading a lot of his stuff there on CRISPR technology and how it's affordable for everybody. I still haven't uh, worked up the, the guts, I guess, to start injecting myself with the CRISPR technology yet, but uh, who knows? Um, it, it's just been a total immersification in the different tips, techniques, and a lot of people don't realize, I mean, bodybuilders have been doing body, uh, biohacking for decades and decades. Arnold Schwarzenegger is biohacking. There's no term for it. No one knew what they were doing, but they're literally biohacking their muscles to grow bigger than the human body should ever have, lower body fat than the human body could ever achieve by itself. And it, it's just fascinating on what somebody wants to do. Uh, I always think to identify what the goals are instead of just let's do anything and everything. So what are your goals and how do we get there? Here's the inside the box. Now let's go outside the box. And I think that outside the box really is what biohacking truly is, going above and beyond to achieve something that somebody would like to get. Right. And as you're saying, I mean, like bodybuilders or, I mean, I think just athletes in general have been, I mean, 
you know, bio, they're the original biohackers, I feel like, you know, before the term even existed. Oh, absolutely. Always trying to find something, you know, uh, an extra edge, right? Absolutely. Uh, Even nowadays with, uh, you know, blood flow restriction, um, introducing that to some bodybuilders and they're getting better results than they were getting in years without using those. And that's just one little simple tweak. Is that the, uh, the Vasper technology? Is that? It's part of the Vasper. I mean, with the Vasper, you've got the ice cold water pumped into them, um, into those bands. But you can actually use those cuffs for doing your long, slow cardio. Uh, I like to use it on the Carol bike, the artificial intelligence. Um, even on using the ARX machine that we have here, I'll go through a session with the body part and um, have myself or have others use those bands. And you take two people. And it's night and day for those that use the bands and who don't use the bands. Right, right. So, and then and then the book. So what, tell me, so is the book specifically uh, kind of focused on the brain? Um, I would say yes, absolutely is. It's really on how to get yourself out of your own way. Uh, different little ideas in order to become a well-versed, well-rounded individual. Because so many individuals, I mean, let's face it, to become a pro athlete, you need to be hyper-focused um, on one thing and only one thing. Doesn't leave much time for family, doesn't need much time for investing funds. So you have some after your career, um, any type of relationships, spirituality. Uh, a lot of guys learn this along the way. And the book is a way to take these different areas, identify what the areas are, and become well-rounded in each and every one of those areas. Right. Become a more well-rounded person. Yeah. And is it so? Is it more more so kind of like the the psychology aspect of it, or or the biology of improving the brain, or both? In this case, it's a little bit of both. Mostly is the uh, psychology aspect of it. Okay. Um, and which becomes a biological change. You know, right. the brain waves do end up changing. Thought patterns change and thoughts become things in that manner there. Uh, we can take pills and potions all day long, um, but if someone's not actually consciously changing their habits, their habits aren't going to change. You can take all the gob in the world, and if you don't go to bed at the reasonable time, you're going to be having uh, difficult sleep patterns. Right. So... If, uh, you know, what, what would you say as far as like kind of the biggest, uh, you know, biggest takeaways, you know, someone that reads the book, what are the, what are the kind of big uh, themes? The biggest themes are to uh, slow down rabbit. <laughs> uh, people are going 10 million miles a minute, slow down. You don't need to get there as fast. You will get there very efficiently. And to break things down, you know, identify the different aspects of your life. What's important? And then actually creating a plan, you know, creating a game plan. Every single team creates a game plan, whether it's for that day, for that season, um, just for the game on the weekend. We do that in life too, or we don't. I find those that do that become far more successful because they actually have a path to follow instead of haphazardly flying around. And when you haphazardly fly around, who knows where you're going to get. You may get there, you may not get there. Um, but having a roadmap to get anywhere is going to get you there far more efficiently than not. Absolutely. Right. So, you know, I'm curious as far as, 
um, you know, with, with the kind of, you know, what you're talking about with kind of slowing down the mind, uh, mm -hmm. or, or at least just slowing down and, you know, uh, kind of the way, you know, we're, we're running so quickly. Do you, do you use any sort of meditation or, or mindfulness, uh, in, in the work that you do like with athletes? Absolutely. Uh, we use pulse electromagnetic frequency, uh, to change different brain pattern frequencies. Uh, also use audiovisual entrainment, which is the, uh, it's a game changer. And then so it really, but you put on a pair of glasses, uh, trans, direct cranial stimulation and some binaural beats on some headphones yep. and somebody like myself who is go, go, go can put on a meditation and within five minutes, I'm out cold, wake up feeling so refreshed. And I love the idea that I'm backing up here. I, I've tried to meditate. I have, I've, I've gotten into streaks where it's good, but meditation is a practice with audiovisual entrainment. It forces your mind to get into a different state, get into a different frequency. And it works so, so, so amazing. And my wife, uh, amazing in herself, a little pop to her, um, has a, getting a PhD, finishing up here in applied psychophysiology. I, when I went to Cairo school, she didn't know my words. Now she's going to get her PhD. I don't know her words. Um, a lot of big fun words that we use around the dinner table now. But she uses a lot of biofeedback. Uh, in what she does and using a lot of individuals come into our fit lab here. And, you know, when it comes to the EMF for the brain, uh, audiovisual entrainment for the brain, she's the total expert in it. But uh, yeah, it, it's game changing type stuff. Awesome. What, you know, I'm curious, what, uh, what percentage, you know, do you think of, of sort of elite athletes or, or pro sports teams are, are now incorporating these different technologies into, into their training? I'd say now the majority are starting to incorporate it. However, those that are take it seriously or not is another story. I mean, even Phil Jackson, the Zen master, he starts bringing meditation in and uh, the interviews apparently with Michael Jordan, he's kind of got one eye open, like, what's up with this guy? You know, something's mm -hmm. quite, not quite right. Let's go along with it. And when they start buying into the system, they start going with it. And I heard stories years later when Phil Jackson was coaching uh, Kobe and Shaq there. The only reason they went along with it is because of his previous experience in using meditation with the Chicago Bulls. You know, what's going on? He wants us to do what? I don't think so. Okay, we're going to win. I'll do whatever you want. It, it comes down to the athlete as well. The really successful ones are going to do anything and everything to become a better version of themselves. And you notice they have longer careers and typically they're better. Those that are too cool for it, well, I guess you're too cool for success, too. And whether they're an athlete or it's the everyday person, I find the most successful people, whether it be uh, financially, um, whether it be at a sport, a profession, the most successful people find the time to become better versions of themselves, find the time to do the little meditations. They find the times to learn a new thing or here or there. Uh, those that are just too busy for life, they're struggling. They're always struggling constantly, constantly, constantly. And this is a, just a theme. And I still can't wrap my mind around it. Why in the world are you not succeeding? Because all these guys, you know, this guy here has got a hundred million dollars. You're trying to pay your rent and you're saying you don't have that time. Come on. So whatever you can do to become a better version of yourself, 
do it. Make the time, find the time, because I promise if you got time for Netflix, you got time to do a little uh, AVE session. Right, right. So one of the things that you mentioned too um, was the, the transcranial direct current simulation, yes. right? Do you, is that with, uh, what's the name of the, is it the Halo? Have you worked with that? We've got one of those here too, yes. I'm so curious. I, I got to ask you because, you know, me being a neuroscience guy, mm-hmm. you know, I've read about it. I've never uh, never used it myself or, or talked to anyone who's used it. So are, how, tell me, like, are you, you're incorporating that into, and you, like, how does that, how do you incorporate that? So, so far, I've incorporated it to myself and my daughter. Okay. <laughs> um, there's another uh, junior hockey player that was using it as well. Um, most people I work with want to kind of get in and out. And, you know, a professional athlete typically already has one themselves. So for my own personal experience, you know, if somebody already has one themselves, they put it on in their dynamic warm-up and primes the brain for fine motor learning. Using it myself, I was able to go from not being able to deadlift because I didn't like it. Then decided to start getting into CrossFit, something new. Let me really push and challenge myself. And I know you got to deadlift. Well, just because I can teach you how to deadlift doesn't mean I can deadlift myself. So I decided I'm going to get good at it. I'm going to get really good at it. I was barely doing 300 pounds. And I saw Matt Frazier does 505. So I said, all right, Matt Frazier, game on. So I would use the uh, Halo Sport for myself. Uh, in my warm-ups and visualization and going through the little uh, fine motor practices, the, the different areas of the lift. And a few months back, I was able to hit 515 pounds on it. Huge, huge difference from barely getting my 300 pounds up. Uh, my daughter, she does gymnastics and would have her always put it on on the way going over to the gym to uh, perform. And she's had a, quite a nice little gymnastics career as well on there. Anybody I've found that uses it does, it works. It, it does work. And are um, you, for the, for the deadlifting, were you, tell me what way in which you were using it. Were, were you doing this as you were lifting or was this prior? Sure. No, what I would do is just prior at okay. first, um, get the, the warm up, mostly uh, hip mobility. And then I would do the walk up routine. I mean, everything's got to be routine. So how do you walk up to the bar? I've got it on my head. How do I grip the bar? Hold it on my head. Or if I was working on just final hip thrust, I'd have that and just work on the final hip thrust or just the movement, you know, whatever part of the lift is broken down. I mean, it's not just walking up to the bar, grab it and stand up with it. There's little mini components that go along with that. So I'd use it just to get those mini components down. It's not like I was grabbing four or 500 pounds with the Halo Sport on. It was getting those movements on so then when I added the weight to it, those movements became far more effective and efficient along the way. Got it. Got it. And from my understanding, so it's, it's basically stimulating the, the motor cortex of the brain. That's exactly um, it, yes. Okay. Okay. So by, by doing that, you're kind of increasing, uh, you know, the, the signaling that gets sent to your muscles, kind of like what's traditionally thought of as kind of like the, um, you know, like the muscle memory is that, sort of your understanding too of the way it works absolutely theoretically i mean it's supposed to increase the firing of the uh, motor cortex in order to work better send the signals 
over to the motor units in order to fire the muscles in the proper sequence. Um, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Sweet. Well, you know what, what I'm curious, you know, what, what is next for you? Do you see, you know, are you, are you going to write any, uh, additional books or where do you see kind of your, your yep. career kind of taking you? I've got two things I'm working on, actually three things I'm working on right now. One is to continue to grow our fit labs. I want to increase the locations of the fit lab right now. We're on one working on our second and get to at least 10 of them and we'll see how far we can go. Um, you know, the world says I don't have enough time for my health and fitness and we're saying, yes, you do. Spend 15 minutes and uh, yeah, you got that time. If you don't, then obviously you're never gonna do it. Uh, I've been working on a book. Uh, the title at first was going to be um, Nutrition to Lifestyle. However, I'm starting to think it's more of a disease. Um, most people can eat and they know how to eat for the most part without me even doing lab work on them. But it is between the ears. You know not to eat the entire sleeve of Oreo cookies, but you're going to do it anyway. Um, the big project, though, that we're really working on right now is a offshoot of the Super Size Me film called Keto Size Me. Uh, my cohort here, Dr. Brandon, is going to be eating McDonald's hamburgers every day, only McDonald's hamburgers every day for a 30-day period. We've got all the lab work on him. Uh, we know how many calories a day he needs. That's how we figured out to be around 20 burgers every single day. Um, <laughs> interviewing some amazing minds out there and uh we'll get a brain map done on him actually monday in philadelphia and uh, we'll do post testing as well and i want to show that there is a difference in the quality of food a lot of people say stay away from meat at all costs and i'm saying it's the type of meat that you're eating 100 percent. yeah yes this yeah. weekend we're actually doing for the film a taste testing we're going to do a blind taste testing of a burger from McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, and having an end grass-fed burger. Let's see what people prefer for the taste. And uh, that, that should be a lot of fun, actually. But I'd uh, like this to be in as many film festivals as I can get, and hopefully, uh, I wish I could say, you know, we'll have this done by in the summer, but in reality, I'm gonna say uh, in a year or two, hopefully we can pop it up on Netflix and enjoy it. Awesome, I mean, that that sounds, Really cool. I'm excited to, excited to see that. I hope um, so. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So any other, uh, you know, I, I, we're kind of getting to the end of the show here. Tell, tell me any other resources that you would like uh, listeners to be aware of if they enjoyed our, our conversation or just any way that they can connect with you or find out more about your work? Sure. Um, every single Tuesday night and Friday, we do on Tuesday nights, Healthy Happy Hour here in the lab and Friday is called Fun Fridays. We do it live on Facebook and we leave it up on Facebook and Instagram afterwards. So if you couldn't get there at seven o'clock PM live or be here in person that you can still see it. And we, uh, we try to have fun. We always have a topic of interest, uh, something that individuals uh, may be a trending topic in the world. And we break it down in a scientific way, but make it overly entertaining, such as last week wearing uh, aluminum foil hats for no good reason whatsoever. Um, uh, it's at Functionize, F-U-N-C-T-I-O-N-I-S-E-D. Uh, website is Functionize.com. Uh, you can DM either one of those or uh, send an email to support at Functionize.com and uh, just ask for me and I will respond to everybody. 
Awesome. Sweet. Well, Jim, you know, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, you know, for our listeners, if you guys enjoyed the show, um, go ahead and like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're Roscoe's Wetsuit. And then you can also find audio versions of the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, along with iHeartRadio. So go ahead, check us out any which way you want. Jim, again, really enjoyed our conversation. It was a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate you. Absolutely.